If you were listening to this, thank you so much for donating to Patreon. Your support allowed me to buy this baller microphone so I don't have to record onto my iPhone anymore. And for this podcast, I sit down with Aaron and Adrian Snow of Landing before their show in Cincinnati last August. We chat about growing up Mormon, being exposed to music outside of the realms of acceptability of our community, and what a scene is like when there are heavy religious overtones. Landing is celebrating their 20th anniversary as a band, and so we explore some of the tips and tricks that keep that relationship alive and well and has sustained them through all these years. Once again, thank you for donating to Patreon and enjoy this interview. Hello, this is Madeline from Midway. David Nance. Seth Graham. Kierville. Mike from Uniform. Lee Noble. Braden J. Adrian from the band Landing. Um, they're playing a show tonight at the Mockby in Cincinnati, Ohio. And um, I guess I can start with um, where I met Aaron. Um, so I was at uh, a bar called Rake's End, which is, um, if you've never been to Cincinnati, kind of the center of the universe for like all experimental music. It's not there anymore. Um, but I was there to see him and Darren's band, Tinian's, who I really didn't know was actually a landing side project. I just knew it was on Geographic North. And um, so I went, and I think I was mentioning to someone something about Utah, that I lived in Utah at one point, and then Aaron and Darren kind of popped their heads out and were like, we lived in Utah. And then we kind of got talking, and I put two and two together, that they were in the band Landing, who I've been a fan of for years. And... um, also put out uh, a really great record on Geographic North. And so we started talking and uh, found out that we share a similar religious background and um, lived, uh, I mean, they. you all started at BYU. I went to um, college at the University of Utah, which are bitter rivals. Um, but uh, yeah, so we just kind of got to talking about um, music and sort of like growing up Mormon and um, stuff like that. And 
have been in touch uh, ever since, and they came out and played the Gold Rush Music Festival and have just been really enjoying following uh, this band um, as they're putting out music into your 20th 20th anniversary, 20th year as a band, which is amazing. Um, so I guess we can, um, we'll start from the beginning. Um, how, how did Landing form? Um, what was the, what's your origin story with that band? Yeah, we formed in uh, 98. Adrian and I had been playing shows as a two-piece and had a number of names uh, until we settled on the name May Landing. But we moved back to Connecticut and I kind of wanted to get out of the duo mode and start incorporating drums and synthesizer. Um, so in Connecticut, I started recording in my mom's basement. We would go home to Connecticut to my to my, where I grew up, Connecticut, for summers between semesters. Adrian was in school at BYU. Um, and then we moved back to Utah. I saw my friend Dick, who... Uh, had been in a ton of uh, this band that we played a ton of shows with as a duo. And I was like, hey, do you think you would play bass for us? Adrian was going to play synth. And uh, then we had a friend, John, play drums for one show. And then uh, Darren Darren settled in on drums like a couple weeks later. And that's when we started. We were in um, a house in Orem, Utah on, on State Street. <laughs> it was... Uh, it was like a punk house like they told us it was getting torn down <laughs> so we would leave like the front door open <laughs> and just whatever and we'd put on shows um and we were there for what like a year and a half uh until we moved back to connecticut uh at which point i told uh, darren and dick like man we're moving back to connecticut like this is that's a bummer because i really like playing with you guys and they were both like okay we're in let's do it and we all moved back to Back to CT. Yep, and that was 98, so coming up on tw- big two zero. And so were you all a couple when you started May Landing? Okay. And were you married at that point? Yes. And how, how old are you? Um, how old were we? How old were we when we got married? So we got married when I was 19 and she... I was 20. Yeah, which, <laughs> which is not, like, uncommon. Like, um, I mean, for me, yeah, yeah, yeah. For him, I yeah. mean, still, like, yeah, I guess 19 is like the yeah. age you like typically like go on a mission. Exactly, like, yeah. should not have been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> was, that, was that a minor scandal? No, it wasn't because I'm an East Coast Mormon, <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. and then my dad never did. And it was, I, I was never pressured, I was going to, but then as I thought about it. It's like I had just met Adrian. We spent like a full year uh, together dating, and I was like, "Oh gosh, this sounds like it would not be a fun two years." So I decided to go back to school, and then we dated for what another year, almost a year. year. Yeah, and we got married in '96, uh, and we started playing shows. Um, uh, for our one year anniversary, we saw the Terrorstock Festival in '97, and we were like, "Oh man, we have to do this!" <laughs> so when we got back to Utah for shows, we started playing as a duo, and that's how we met. Like all of our friends were just playing little tiny shows, and found people like who were into like Flying Saucer Attack and uh, Bardo Pond and weird cool stuff. So what was that? What was the music scene like in Provo, Utah, in like 1998? What was what was going on there? Uh, 
Hmm. Would they had like the martinis was around? Remember those guys? Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of oh, so much ska. Oh Tons yeah, of that, ska. That, was the, that was the yeah, yeah, yeah. so much ska. Yeah. What else was? There? Oh, there were some goth bands. Yeah, some goth bands. In Provo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. it was Agnes Poetry in Pro- Agnes Poetry? <laughs> we went to um, one of their shows. Yeah, that was like one of our first dates. <laughs> um, they were really, really cool. Unbeknownst to us, there was a really good punk scene in Salt Lake. Yeah, okay, we, yeah. It went right yeah. over our heads. Oh, really? We, so like all of that, like, what, that would have been like, uh, like Indian Motor Speedway. Yeah, right. yeah, and, totally. Um, I'm trying to think of who like some of those bands would be. Um. I wrote for Slug uh, right. for right. a while, and so this should all be like, in <laughs> like I should be like able to rattle off like all these like yeah. Salt Lake City hardcore <laughs> bands. Um, but it's um, Andy Patterson's band, um, Iceburn. Oh, of course. I, yeah, I of love. Course. I still I still listen to Iceburn. Yeah, <laughs> Iceburn. Huge. I think they still play every once in a while. I bet that's like Iceburn's like the closest to like fish I think I'll ever get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like liking a jam band. Um, Iceburn's amazing. Yeah. Darren, when we met Darren, he was connected to all that. He and uh, Ned, who plays drums with us on tours, um, they would go to all those shows. They were in a band called Sunshine and the Biffs, who played tons of punk <laughs> shows. So that's how, that was our entry into the scene. Like, as just people from out of state moving in, it took us like years to find the scene. Mm. But once you find it, it's like really close knit. Yeah. So, um, going, um, living in Salt Lake City and, and going to college there, um, was really like super informative, um, in like my sort of musical trajectory is meeting all of these, um, all of these kids who like didn't fit into like the Mormon uh, like culture and um, and so I, I seem to gravitate towards a lot of my friends were at that time in like the kind of mid two thousands into like a lot of uh, uh, like ambient drone stuff but kind of more on like the uh, kind of like white rainbow. Um, yeah, so the more, like, beat-oriented, kind of, like, trippy psych stuff. Um, and, um, but really, it it was, I've never quite been in a city that is, like, close-knit like that. And, I, and, it, and my theory is that, you know, when you have, like, a very oppressive culture, yeah. there is a really, um, there needs to be, like, in order for it to survive, like, a really tight counterculture. And so I've always been fascinated with Provo. Uh, I went to a couple shows there. There was a house, uh, like a punk house called The Compound um, that I saw like, like Pocahontas, uh, uh, like, yeah, I mean, all these, uh, I think VOCs like played there like really early on. Um, and and it, it just felt like those those kids who were there like just needed that. And it was a... It was such an unruly um, and just like such a stark contrast to Provo and BYU, which is very, very like rigid and like people like toe the line in terms of everything, like when it comes to like the religious practice and um, and like their style of dress and like their political affiliation. Um, I went to a semester at BYU Idaho, which is even more like culturally like in like intense Mormon. Yeah. Um and I remember um experiencing that like on a much smaller scale. I saw a girl who's wearing an Arab strap t shirt 
and she's also from Connecticut and super into grindcore. And so my <laughs> uh, my freshman year at at BYU Idaho, I was listening to like um, all these like Connecticut and New England grindcore bands um, because I needed something that would remove me from in like the most extreme way possible from uh, just feeling like I was like losing my identity yeah. in a um, in a culture that in order to succeed like in school and culturally like you needed to like conform and um and then I went on my mission and like that was like magnified even more um so but yeah um so yeah I'm so I'm really fascinated with like Provo and sort of like you know the kids who were gravitating um towards this kind of music um because often I see like a kind of a discrepancy between like true self-expression and being Mormon like I I sometimes like at my like most cynical I don't think those things can exist um and so what was um what was the like the general vibe um amongst kind of these subcultures where a lot of the kids like Mormon and just like um had interests outside of what was going on or were there like a lot of questioning you know maybe like uh people who were like you know maybe like secretly queer or something like that because that is like you know very very like oppressed um can you speak to that oh yeah for sure well at that time we were all very young our group of friends we were all in our early 20s and this is kind of at the just beginning of the internet Mm. in the late 90s um so a lot of the facts that have come out more recently about the church weren't really available to people like us we just didn't know them so at that point in time, I think Adrian and I were both like, at this point in time, we, we had gone through the temple and that really kind of weirded us out. So we were just, we were taking a break. Like we still sort of believed it. Um, and I think that's where most of our friends stood too. It was like, yeah, we do this weird art stuff and yeah, we don't fit in in the culture, but we're still Mormons. Um, and since that time, I think we only have like two friends that are still in the church I mean it's it's kind of hard to now that you you have access to all the, the more of the facts it's uh, and you just kind of grow you can grow up and develop and make up your own mind kind of um, I do have a friend my good friend Pete who played in landing he was um, gay and had to go through that whole process mm-hmm. of you know working with his bishop and eventually i mean it took him years and years and years to get through it it's it's really hard and families struggling with people leaving the church which isn't something that we really had to deal with no so you both like east coast mormon no i i'm a southern california mormon so growing up there was a lot of gray Uh like you know and moving to provo and going to school it's so black or white Mm -hmm. and it was really um, emotionally taxing to just I didn't fit in either world completely um, yeah. and uh, you know I couldn't I really wanted to do the English program at this university so that meant I had to follow these mm-hmm. rules and do these things but I also had friends and loved art and loved music that was not part of that world so it was just a really strange time but but not bad, just, you know, changing and growing. Yeah, we had a blast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I, 
we never went back to, <laughs> to church after the temple experience. Mm. So I guess, I mean, you could say we were out already, but... I had to get my ecclesiastical intern. Yeah, she would go to church. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's, like a, that's yeah. a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she would go once a semester mm-hmm. and talk to the bishop. <laughs> so, um, so BYU has an ecclesiastical endorsement where in order to remain in school, you have to have a bishop who's like a Mormon leader or a, like an equivalent if you're another religion, which is not very common, um, sign uh, sign something to say like you're in good standing and to be Mormon and to be in good standing you have to go to church um, yeah. and pay tithing which is 10% of your income and obey the word of wisdom which means no drinking or smoking or doing drugs and the law of chastity which means no premarital sex before you're married I guess that's the definition of it um, plus a whole bunch of other like rules and regulations um, yeah. Yeah, so it it's it it is a huge bind for people who decide that like maybe they they don't want to be any Mormon anymore or they have significant uh problems with church policy or doctrine or history and um but they are at a good university and um ha- are yeah, are like and at a private university where chances are a lot of your credits won't transfer over um to if you go to a public university. Um, and so you kind of have to like stick it out and like, yeah, kind of swallow a lot of like stuff to make it through BYU if you're in that kind of questioning, um, like mindset. Um, yeah. Um, did you ever, and this might not even be a thing cause you said you're, you know, East coast Mormon and <laughs> South, you know, uh, Southern Florida or S- Southern California Mormon. Um, <laughs> but did you ever feel, uh, any guilt about like, some of like the music you were listening to if you were like if um if you're like into like punk or you know stuff that's harder or even stuff that's not like explicitly about like god um would you ever feel any like guilt about that man i had it so easy <laughs> like um i would listen to nine inch nails on the bus down to do baptisms for the dead <laughs> i had no guilt about that because my my mom went to art school. Um, she's a convert, and my dad was like a huge hippie, so there was none of that. I don't know about Adrian. Um, I kind of led two different lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was definitely just a way for me to disconnect between being who my family needed me to be, um, and then. I worked in a record store and went to shows and, you know, went to Helter Skelter and danced. And um, when I first saw that Aaron was wearing a Sonic Death t-shirt, I was just like, okay, I like this too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I think, yeah, there's some interesting versions of guilt, I think, that happen. Um, But, yeah, for us, it just was really like, process of growing up and mm-hmm. getting old enough to realize like okay like here are all these interesting things that are around the world and here's this box that I was in for the first 20 years of my life and I don't like that box anymore mm-hmm. so let's get out <laughs> yeah and luckily we we were on the same path so there was no friction a lot of couples go through that yeah where, yeah you know one is doesn't they don't agree on that but we did I think 
like I keep saying, after the temple, we kind of looked at each other and was like, we're never doing that again, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of the first drop in the bucket, yeah. I think. And but, so, oh, let me say, though, guilt as a Mormon, oh, I felt plenty of guilt. <laughs> Just music wasn't one of them. Got it. For, for me, um, one of, uh, like, like, really, I track, like, so many, like, developmental um, important things in my life through... Um, times where I've been like exposed to like different music and um and I I definitely feel that as well like leading a double life like I was you know like um in Colorado where I, I in southwestern Denver is like pretty like rich with Mormons but still like I was like that was my identity was like I was Mormon and then I discovered straight edge and um I picked up a minor threat CD kind of on a whim and to like hear Ian Mackay say like I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't fuck, was, like, all of a sudden, like, this thing that, like, I was so, like, I kind of hated about, like, myself, you know, like, I, like, with my peers, is like, oh, I can't do that, whatever, I'm Mormon, all of a sudden became, like, this, like, statement of purpose, like, no, I don't do that because I'm straight edge, Um, and and it was, like, a much cooler, like, cover for being Mormon, and then, um, and so, like, I was super into, like, straight edge, like, hardcore. Like, this is, like, when I was, like, in, like, early in high school. Um, and my mom found my, like, secret CD stash. Oh, no. And I'll never forget this. This is, like, burned into my memory. I come into my room, and my mom is sitting at the end of my bed. And she is, um, she has, like, my CDs out um, that I, had like, thought I had, like, hid. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and so she's, like, re so she's like reading the lyrics and she's like reading like that song like straight edge and 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 like also like some other stuff is like this is so violent you know and like just so angry and has profanity and stuff and and like i couldn't like tell her that like like the whole reason why like i'm basically still mormon is because like i have like wrapped my identity around this and um and so i did i uh i smashed my cds uh, yeah, so as, like, an act of contrition, I, like, smashed them, uh, which is something that I heard at, like, an EFY camp that I went to of, like, somebody, like, smashing their CDs because they had, like, bad lyrics. She didn't ask me to, like, and this is, like, the yeah. most messed up thing is she didn't ask me to do that. I did that um, as, like, uh, like an act of penance. Um and like it now I'm just like, man, I wish I had like I still had those CDs. <laughs> um but uh yeah, so like I felt like a lot of like uh a lot of guilt like um when I would um and, and that's kind of what like kind of like kept me back from like a lot of like heavier music. Um, you know, like I mean kind of straight out of the gate, like I, and then I kinda like pulled back, which honestly was like was a good thing because like I discovered um, you know, in high school, um so many like really seminal sort of like 90s indie rock bands and like i was exposed to like ambient music like for the first time Uh, i think the first like ever uh album that i think you could kind of classify that and it's still something that like i listen to on an almost weekly basis is the wind up bird you guys yeah Yeah, so joe i i know he like he played like utah and stuff like that uh like a friend made like the cd for me um yeah, and then, um, but, like, I always went back to it as, like, a, a very, like, a needed thing, like, right? So, like, yeah. when I was a f- freshman at BYU-Idaho, 
like I needed grindcore <laughs> like to like just like process everything and just like uh ha be like this ultimate like escapist yeah. tool. Yeah, um Ricks, yeah, yeah. So Ricks, BYU, I don't. You can wear shorts <laughs> really? or sandals. Yeah, yeah. What about socks like, I, I, I feel like within Mormonism, like that would be like a perfectly acceptable <laughs> yeah. thing. But I feel like even that would be like against the rules that at BYU. Yeah. Really big at BYU. Socks and sandals. And long shorts. Oh man, yeah, yeah. And a lot of Disney stuff. Oh. What what is the Mormon fascination <laughs> with Disney? I think it's because it's like yeah, it's clean. It's like entertainment that you can like not feel guilt about. Yeah. Uh, I, like Adrian said, I used to wear my indie rock t and almost immediately people thought I was a drug dealer. Oh really? Yeah. So I I it was it was funny because in Connecticut I was always the only Mormon kid, and everyone were like. He's the lamest guy. He won't go to parties, like won't drink. And then I get to Utah, it's like, oh, he deals drugs. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, it was tough, but actually, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it differently because I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about the religion, and I met like my best friends. Mm -hmm. So it worked out really good. Oh, and my wife too. I met yeah. my wife. That's... <laughs> Uh, freshman orientation, aka yeah. meet your wife day. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, and that's amazing that like you like that's when you guys met. And, it's oh yeah, yeah, uh -huh. yeah. We were in the same orientation group, and she was wearing like this this crazy like green jumpsuit thingy, <laughs> and I had like corduroy frayed cutoffs and a Sonic Youth T-shirt. Awesome. I was like, oh, we have to be friends. Let's go bowling. <laughs> we went like bowling that night. That so, was it. After so after Provo, um, so you guys moved back to Provo to pursue the band. So we went back and forth, okay. Connecticut Provo, uh -huh. Connecticut Provo until I graduated, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then we, and then we finally, just moved to Connecticut full time. Okay. Yeah. And did and did everybody like follow you? Yeah. Yes. Darren Darren lived at my mom's for a while. Wow. <laughs> Dick followed. They had an apartment for years. Dick was there from two thousand until two thousand five. Um, and Darren's still there. He's still in, in, in New Haven. East Haven. Mm -hmm. Oh, East Haven. And, yeah. and where, do you, where do you all live in New Haven? We live up in Stafford Springs, which is almost in Massachusetts. Mm. It's like a really cool. It's it's not a cool town. It's like Trumpville, mm. Connecticut. Gotcha. Um, but it's like a really neat, a lot of junk shops, and there's a motor speedway down the street, so cheap houses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's very great. historical. It's like America's first resort is their oh, tagline wow. because of yeah. the natural springs. Oh. People like Teddy Roosevelt would go there. <laughs> yeah. But that's their like claim to fame. But then there was a big hotel and it burned down. Uh, so yeah. now it's like, but it's a lot of factories, old okay. factories. Yeah. Um, some of them are still working, actually. Like they yeah, there's like a wool. Textile. And wool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so we it's moved fun. up there we for like the it. for the cheap houses, yeah. and it, and it's like close to Western Mass. Mm -hmm. I was playing in a band in Western Mass okay. for a little while, and a lot of cool like thrift store stuff. So it's neat and cheap. And so um, after you kind of moved to Connecticut and decided to like ma like make a go of it, um, tell tell me about some like did you start touring? Did you start recording? Yeah, we had always been recording. Uh, we recorded two records no an ep and almost all of two records when we were still in orem mm. 
Uh, they didn't come out in two, two, until 2001, but that was just because, wind, you know, getting label. Like, we had a label to release Oceanless, and then they stopped existing. Well, and what then, label was that? Oh, geez, the first one? I don't even remember. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was a long time ago. And then, um, but Darren put out, he did Music Fellowship, who uh-huh. released some Wind Up Bird okay. stuff. Um, yeah, he put out Circuit, which is our first full length, although it was really our second. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But our <laughs> first record. Um, and then, fortuitously for us, Darren and Dick answered like an ad for a dude who was living in Brooklyn. Um, Adam Forkner, who was oh, in yeah. White Rainbow. Yeah, Yume Bitsu. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was in Yume at the time, and he was looking for people to play with. So they were like, oh, let's let's go play with Adam. They knew Yume. And then we met Adam, started playing as Surface of Essien for a while, um, and met, like, Ben Goldberg from Bada Bing through him. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I and he was... emailing Ben the other day. <laughs> and he was... Uh, good friends with calvin johnson that's uh, how i met calvin and so that's the k records yeah, yeah. connection uh-huh. exactly and then we we would do long tours every summer we did a month one summer we'd do like two or three weeks every summer and played like cmjs and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that but um yeah it's always just been a hobby we never take it too seriously we love recording and we play when we can that's pretty much how it's always been and so, um, so treating it kind of always like as a hobby, yeah. um, do like, were, was there ever a time when like this band was like, what, like your source of income or like what you guys were like doing like full time? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, never. Um, we, uh, actually now is better than it was mm. then. Um, we we wouldn't get paid from labels and mm-hmm. that's pretty common. Mm-hmm. Um, now with Bandcamp, we sure yeah, it's, it's better. Yourself, yeah. um, so no, it's always been a money pit, but it's mm-hmm. like we love doing it. So, and so you all have a kid. We do, Elise. She's eleven. <laughs> <laughs> yep. She's the reason why we, we ended up resigning from the church. Actually, mm. <laughs> kicked us in the butt. Um, <laughs> I had her as a baby and mm-hmm. missionaries came to the door and like I love missionaries are great yeah They're, it's always fun to talk with them but I was like uh, I kind of don't want my kid to have this baggage from us so I, that's unrelated but yeah we have a, a kid we took a few few years uh, break from the group mm-hmm. and so now with I mean, her being like a little bit like more grown up like you're able to like do some of these like tours yeah. yeah, yeah, we brought her with the past couple summers, which oh, really? mm-hmm. was awesome. interesting. Yeah, yeah, it, so, mostly her, good. What was her take? So on the she's whole just so blase about it because <laughs> she's been to like fifty shows. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? So she just like is like, all right, fine. I'm just gonna play on my phone and wear my earbuds. Yeah, like know. you guys are lame. <laughs> um, she has to like hear us practice constantly. Oh, sure. It's like, oh. yeah, yeah. But this summer she's home um, with Aaron's mom and super, super excited not to go on tour. We yeah. gave her the choice. Oh, and yeah, she yeah. was like, "Yeah, no." So what? Um, what kind of music is she into? I'm just interested <laughs> into like what kids are listening to now, and uh-huh. especially like kids of like <laughs> parents are you know play music. Mm. She loves churches. Okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, Erasure. Whoa, uh, loves Erasure. That's like I, I see a connection. Between <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. yeah. She loves dancey stuff. Uh-huh. Justice. Justice. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's she like just. That 
church's record just constantly. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's easy to do. That's a good record. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're, we're, great we, she's seen them live, and okay. she had a great yeah. time, and we're taking her again. She just, she sings every single lyric. It's uh-huh. like, you know. Oh, what's that band you got, you took her to? And they moved Oh, her... Empire of the Sun. Yeah. With the Blink-182 guys? Maybe. Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. Oh. It's like a dancey kind okay. of... They're Australian. Oh, really? Never mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking yeah. of Angels and Airlines. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we went to... I took her to an Empire of the Sun um, concert last year for her birthday, and we had rather not fabulous seats over ah. on the side. And I think because she was just ridiculously excited, jumping up and down, <laughs> singing every single lyric, they moved us front center whoa yeah no. some, this is like some, a big like arena show yeah. um, it was an outdoor oh. i think it was at like td bank in um arena in um boston and it was outdoors so actually this is kind of cute she didn't know where we were going <laughs> so we get off the we took public tra- public transport we got off the bus and we were walking up to it and because it was outside you could hear it and she was just like what's was going like, what? on and we were running late so unfortunately but you know that was kind of cool yeah, yeah. and she was just like she got more and more excited yeah. and then as we got inside she just started bouncing up and down and one of the ushers just like brought us straight forward and she just had the best night that's awesome. yeah that's what we're psyched about like i don't care what she listens mm-hmm. to but i love that she loves the music that yeah. she loves well yeah i mean that's all you can hope for is that like yeah. they're like yeah. they have a connection with whatever totally um and do you all like push her like and like hey you should like listen <laughs> yeah. to her, like, this. Curate her um yeah. a little bit like she likes the beach boys okay. she likes beatles she does not like rem which is very upsetting oh to wow you're wearing an REM it's, hat right Yeah, now. I know. Yeah. It's it's brutal. She comes by it, honestly. Because I constantly <laughs> listen to REM, and she's <laughs> so sick of it. <laughs> I mean, she'll, she puts up with, like, Cocteau Twins and, like, yeah. you know, chill stuff. Oh, she loves Dead Can Dance. Oh, she wow. She cool. genuinely yeah. But that's also, like, a, there's a church's, you know, like, yeah. I see, like, that influence yeah. in there. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I know. Sorry. We could talk about it. Forever, obviously. Um, and so, um, you all have like a relationship with like Wendy and Carl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how did that happen? Oh man, on our first tour, oh, no, we Darren. Saw them at, we saw them well, yeah, but we didn't know him back then. I know, but uh, I was in awe. Yeah. Um, yeah. in Providence, first one. We just we saw them play, and I was dying. I just was like, this is so cool. Like, they're amazing and beautiful, and I just. You get that transcendent mm-hmm. feeling where you're just like, ah. yeah. So they're, then, they're awesome. I'm sorry. So then, Darren. Yeah, then Darren was setting up our first tour in '99, and he just hit them up. He like mm-hmm. was like, uh, "Hey, we want to come play Detroit, and we're big fans." Darren was a big fan too, and they were super awesome. I mean, they're all they've always been awesome to us, and uh, we played with them. We got to play with them on our first tour, and uh, just hung out with them. And then we toured with them a few years later. And uh, they've always been our buds. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I sold a couple of records for my label, White Sepulchre, to, um, what is it? Cloud? Stormy. Stormy, Stormy. Records. Yep. Yeah. And I was uh-huh. just like, and like the person who answered the phone was like, what do you Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to buy these drone records? She's like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yep. Um, They're the best. Yeah. Well, cool. So now, uh, so 20 years. Um, New record um, out on El Pariso. Yeah. 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 Um, what's it right? Bells in Newtown? Mm-hmm. Cool. I get, there's a 
Sarah Debachi record that has like a really similar title. So no kidding. Confused. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, Bells in Newtown. Yeah, awesome. And so you are on tour in support of that? Yeah, kind of. And just because it's, it's 20. 20 years. Yeah, right? actually, <laughs> we were on a little trip for our anniversary uh, earlier this year. And Adrian was like, "You, it used to be that I would, I would, I would be the engine of this machine, and I'd be like, come on, Adrian, let's tour, let's do this." But this year, I was like, "Eh, I don't know if 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 I want to, you know, booking a tour is is hard. Yeah, and it's, yeah. A, it's a lot of, it's a lot of hassle." But she kicked me in the butt. She's like, "Come on, we got to do something." Well, I was like, "It's our twentieth year. Like, yeah. it, wouldn't it be fun to like play a bunch of old stuff?" So we're playing like Convergence. Oh, awesome. We're playing like Maybe real old stuff. Awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome. Yep. And then, um, luckily, our best bud Ned, who toured with us last summer too, he said that he would do it. And then. Um, we talked to Dick, who hadn't played with us since '05 or '06, mm-hmm. and we we're like, "Hey, is there any chance you want to fly out and go on tour?" He's like, "Yeah, awesome!" So it's a, uh, it's kind of like a hanging out, best buds, just playing shows. And yeah, yeah, it's been Gang, great. Gangs all here. Yeah, it's really awesome. fun. Yeah. Um. Well, cool. Uh. Any Any plans? Um. For like future releases? You guys working on? Anything new? Yeah, we're always kind of working mm-hmm. on something. Um, hopefully, El Paraiso wants to keep working with us. Awesome. I really like those guys. Yeah. They're totally awesome to uh, to work with. It really hands off. Um, and that's about it. Just play shows when we can and just treat it like we always have, sort of. Do you play much shows up in Connecticut? Yeah, we play like once a month. Uh, we yeah. My band played a, a show with Headroom. Yeah, um, awesome. Great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Chrissy. yeah, Chrissy. Chrissy's awesome. Yeah. And um I've uh, seen the Mountain Movers. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. yeah there are buds. Movers. Yeah. So um and then do you one of you play in Kindling? I did for a little while. Okay, uh-huh. yeah. That band's super good as well. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. That was kind of funny. Uh landing with I booked a show with Kindling in mm-hmm. New Haven. Okay. And like two days before the show, Stephen it's like, oh, our bass player just left. Uh, we could still play it, but there's just no bass. And I was like, I play bass. Like, yeah. I'll just learn some songs, and I'll just fill in. And I filled in. And he was like, do you think you could fill in for this show? And then it became <laughs> like two years of, awesome. <laughs> of doing that every time. It was really fun. I love those guys. Cool. Well, awesome. Well, thanks so much for sitting down and chatting with me. This was fun. Man, Thank thanks for having, having us, man. Yeah. yeah. yeah.